And uh, that doctor was right. I was no chemo virgin. I mean, it knocked me flat. I was, I was so sick and I literally could not even think or make a decision. And I said to Glenn, I, I can't, I don't think I can do this. Like, what am I going to do? If somebody asked me a question, I can't even make a decision. It was like, I had the worst brain fog you've ever had in your life. Welcome back to Mom Nation from the Heart. And now a word from our sponsor. Hello, everyone. This is Ryan Gilliam, Senior Mortgage Banker with Waterstone Mortgage. If you're looking to buy a new home or even refinance a current one, I'm able to help you find the best program and interest rate that fits your specific needs. You could call me anytime directly at phone number 480-635-3035 if you have any mortgage questions or if you're ready to get pre-approved for a new home purchase. Thank you. All right. Hello. Hello. My name is Sherry and our lovely Katie is not with us today. She's not feeling well, um, but we are back with another episode of From the Heart, where we share inspirational stories, useful information, and discuss a variety of women-related topics. I'm Sherry, the co-founder of Mom Nation. And as I said, Katie won't be joining us today, uh, but she will be in our hearts. We have Lori here today as well, and we have a really great story, inspirational story that she's going to share with us. I'm really excited to dig in and ask you more questions, um, but before we do that, how was your weekend? Oh, it's so fun. I just got back from Cancun, Mexico. Wow, um, that sounds Yeah, fun. went there for my birthday, so had a great time. Happy birthday. Thanks. How was yours? My weekend was great. Not that exciting, but it was great. Um, I'm still alive. I took my teenage daughter out driving. So I feel like oh. that's a win. <laughs> Big win. <laughs> yeah. And we did some exploring. Um, I really like little small towns like Jerome and, you know, places like that. So we went exploring this weekend. Oh, that's fun. Yes. All right. Awesome. So I guess we'll dive into it. Um, I read a little bit about your past experiences, and I'm really eager to learn how you did what you did and just sharing that story with all of our viewers, okay? Yeah, love to share. All right, so take us back to when everything kind of started. Um, so I'm a two-time cancer survivor, and basically when I was 26 years old, I was pregnant. I had a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and I found a lump in my breast, and um, they found out that it was lymphoma. So um, I needed chemotherapy right away. I was faced with the decision to either terminate my child or have the baby now or take chemotherapy while I was pregnant. So um, I found a doctor that was willing to treat me with chemo while I was pregnant. And, you know, it was a really hard decision um, because back then in 1992, they said that, you know, your baby could die. Um, but I also knew having him when he only weighed a pound because I was just like 22 weeks pregnant. Um, that, and I definitely didn't want to terminate my pregnancy. So um, we went to church that weekend and the pastor said, you'll never have joy in life without taking risks. And so that was kind of my um, message, if you will, that I needed to take this risk um, of taking chemo while I was pregnant. And so um, I went in and just 22 weeks pregnant, had the full-blown chemotherapy. 
Um, I did four treatments while I was pregnant. I had a really aggressive uh, type of lymphoma called Burkitt's lymphoma, super rare, like 0.01% of the world will ever get this. And most don't survive. And it shows up a lot in children. Uh, it's pretty common. So, um, you know, pretty, pretty scary stuff, but they would do ultrasounds. And as long as Connor was gaining weight, um, then they would keep giving me chemo. And so at 34 weeks gestation, uh, they decided to do an amniocentesis. So that's six weeks premature for those of you who've had preemies, that's pretty early, um, but his lungs were developed. So they said, all right, we need to, you know, do a C-section, um, have the baby, you're going to get chemo, and then we'll continue on for five more treatments. So it was January 6th, 1993. And the next day was my birthday. And I said, well, tomorrow's my birthday. I'm not sure I want to do all that on my birthday. And the gynecologist OBGYN says, I think you deserve a present. So on January 7th, 1993, I did get a C-section. Connor was born um, on my birthday, on my 27th birthday. He had a full head of hair. I didn't have a hair on my body. <laughs> and there was tears and crying all over the delivery room, as you can imagine. Helicopter was landed on the rooftop of the hospital just in case he needed to be transported to the NICU because the hospital I had him at didn't have a NICU. And we were all pretty confident he was going to be healthy and fine and he was. So um, that was really, really just amazing day. Kaylee was four, uh, Colton was three, and then Connor, um, you know, was born that day. So they are now, uh, just to catch you up, 33, I'm a grandmother, um, 31, and then Connor's just turned 29. So oh uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool story. So, um, you know, when you're faced with that decision, you're kind of like, I can do anything now. And I had just started a small um, business out of my home where I was going to patients' houses. I'm a respiratory therapist. So was my husband. And we were going out to people's homes doing oximetry, which everyone knows now because of COVID, an oxygen level checks your oxygen level, right? So I was doing those back then to help people get oxygen in their home if they needed oxygen. But there's this component of oximetry at night. So when you sleep at night, your oxygen level will naturally go up and down. But if you have sleep apnea, it goes down and it causes this parasympathetic. It's, it's a crazy thing, but I was just fascinated by it. And I wanted to learn more and wanted to learn more. And so once I was done with all my chemo, um, they kind of watched me really closely because they said if it reoccurred in the first five years, I would have to get a bone marrow transplant. So imagine five years of your, when you're a young mom, that seems like forever. I literally thought, you know, oh, who's going to be my kid's mom? I'm like picking out the single ladies look like, can, you know, get remarried, like crazy, crazy story. But I spent the next five years thinking my cancer was going to come back and I was probably not going to make it. And then I made it five years. And then I was like, oh, we could do anything. <laughs> so I was basically feeding the hospital sleep centers with patients who had overnight oximetry desaturations, like severely, because you can't oxygenate a collapsed airway, right? So if you have sleep apnea and your airway closes, wearing oxygen is not going to get anywhere but here. So you need CPAP. You have to have your airway splinted where you wear the mask and air goes in or, or you get surgery or whatever. But in order to do the, anything further, you need a sleep study. So right. I was telling all these medical providers, hey, this patient needs a sleep study. So I was thinking we could do sleep studies. I kept telling Glenn, we could do sleep studies. So I went back and learned 
Um, I became a sleep technologist, clinical sleep educator, working in the hospital, went and ran this small two bed sleep center in Scottsdale, grew it like crazy, told the guy, let's go, let's do more, let's do more. No, no, I don't want to do more. So I was just kind of fed up and I was like, I want to do my own thing. So in 2002, I finally opened our first uh, two bed Valley sleep center um, and, you know, ran my first study myself. Um, ended up hiring people to work for me. And it kind of goes back to that. You'll never have joy in life without taking risks. It was like huge risk. We took out a second mortgage on our home to buy the equipment to start our first company. Um, Cause I, we didn't have capital. We didn't have anything saved. And um, anyway, we had a two bed sleep center and by 90 days, we had to turn the waiting room into a third bed. Um, and then I looked into buying a building to build out my own um, space. And I was able to get a small business administration loan, um, which are really popular now for those of you, um, you can borrow money from um, the government for like little to nothing now. I mean, I think my first interest rate was 7%. I think now you can get a loan for 2%. Um, so it was a really uh, great way for me to buy my own building. Um, you know, and they lent me the money, we built it out. And then we had our first uh, Valley Sleep Center Mesa, which is six, six beds. So how and, far, uh, this is after the five years, right? So how far? Yeah, this is all after eating. Yeah. Cancer. Um, so for, so I finished my cancer treatments in 1993. And I started the sleep center in 2002. So it was a while. Okay. You know, I was doing a lot of home testing and doing quite well. My husband was just kind of like, no, not yet. No, not yet. You know, I, I tell everybody, um, that, you know, he was building the parachute and I was like, we gotta go. It's ready. And he's like, no, I'm not done yet. You know, so I was ready to jump off the nine, right? Huh? So your youngest was nine ish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was, yeah. Kaylee was in junior high. Yeah. Um, so they, the, and I actually was just down the street from the junior high so that I could still be the mom and, you know, do what I needed to do. But I literally figured out how much overtime Glenn and I would have to work in the hospital to pay it, the debt back so that if it failed, so always have a backup plan or plan B, you know, so that you don't, you don't go and do all this. And then you're, you're kind of stuck. And I always was kind of like, Oh, we'd live in a tent. We didn't care. You know, we, not that we ever did live in a tent, but it was you know, I think we'd had a small place in Pine Top and we joked that like, oh, we can, we can uh, work at the hospital in Pine Top for the rest of our lives, which, you know, <laughs> who wants to do that? But <laughs> um, not that that's a bad thing, but, but we, you know, we had a plan of how to bail ourselves out if we needed to. Um, and, you know, fast forward to 2015. Okay. Now I have, gosh, close to hundred employees, um, five locations, and I find a lump in my other breast. Oh so my. now I have breast cancer. And you guys, it was like, I didn't think I would have to do chemo, but I had to have a double mastectomy, more chemo. I had a really aggressive breast cancer called HER2 positive. Um, again, rare, but aggressive. Um, I need more chemo. And literally one doctor said to me, you're no chemo virgin. I'm like, who says that? Um, so, but I literally had to do a whole bunch more chemo, which was super difficult. Um, but I did it. Um, I had the double mastectomy first and then I had to do 18 weeks of chemo and then a whole year of Herceptin, which is immunotherapy. 
and it just wiped me out. And I literally thought I'm going to lay here and watch my business do this. But I laid there and watched my business do this because I had people on my team that really cared and I just needed to delegate and empower them um, and allow them to, you know, be in charge. And so for the first time in my life, because of cancer, I got to be the president of my organization when I was, you know, before my breast cancer, I was like managing things and working in my business. And um, I, I like to say we should work on our business, yeah. not in it. Once it gets to like a certain point, you really have to be able to take the time to work on it. Um, and so that, I mean, I consider cancer kind of a gift because of a lot of things. Um, I know if something's going to happen, my family knows we get to say the things that we want to say to each other. We get to live the life we want, like make it count. You, tomorrow's not promised where, you know, sudden death, you know, and um, accidents don't allow right. that ability for the people that are still here to say goodbye. Right. And so I think that it's really healed a lot of just little things in life that, you know, you get in little things with your friends or you have family drama. None of it really matters. It's kind of like, don't sweat the small stuff. Um, when you have that kind of cancer, you know, cloud over you all the time, things are just simple. You can talk about things, work them out. There's just not that fear of, oh, I don't want to be um, in a conflict. You just kind of work it out, yeah. you know, and you learn unconditional love really fast. <laughs> uh, so, but it, it has been a big um, attribute to allowing me to be able to do the things in my company and not be afraid. So the fear factor is kind of gone because of going through what I've been through. I mean, you take chemo while you're pregnant and nothing, like nothing scary, nothing scary. Yeah. Than that. <laughs> yeah. So take me back to when you found out you were having cancer a second time and you said that it really helped you transition from manager kind of doing all of the, the things to being mm -hmm. your own president. So tell me a little bit more about that. What were all of the emotions that went into it? How long did it take you to progress through there? You know, it was my, so I'd had surgery. I'd had the double mastectomy and, um, you know, we're, when we own our businesses, we're kind of like super woman and we think we can do everything. And what happened was I got my first chemo and uh, that doctor was right. I was no chemo virgin. I mean, it knocked me flat. I was, I was so sick and I literally could not even think or make a decision. And I said to Glenn, I, I can't, I don't think I can do this. Like, what am I going to do? If somebody asked me a question, I can't even make a decision. It was like, I had the worst brain fog you've ever had in your life. And I was just so afraid that I would make a wrong decision. And he's like, don't worry. I'm going to make sure I'd let everyone know. And I'd kind of already had like, you know, kind of like supervisors or managers or people that were kind of already doing. And basically what he helped me do is like, we just developed a director board, basically like, okay, you're the director of this. You're the director of that. You're the director of this. And, um, they would basically get together the five of them. Um, I would get together with them once a week, no, once a month, sorry. There was, so when you're, when you do chemotherapy, I was on an every three week cycle. 
there's a part in that three weeks where you have like two or three good days right before you get chemo again. So I learned that, okay, look, I'm going to have those meetings on the days that I feel good. And so I just told them to like, start to learn how I think. And you guys try to make decisions together. Like what would Lori do? This is what Lori would say. This is what she would do. And if you guys are still not sure, call Glenn and then, and then we'll cut. And so basically that's what they did. They never hardly bothered, bothered me at all. And I would do those once a month meetings and, you know, sometimes I couldn't do them and they just kind of took the ball and, and did it. And, um, it, it, it worked. And then when I got better, when I was all done, it was like, okay, I'm back, but I still have that same team in place, you know, and it's been seven years, all those same people are still with me. And, um, I still have a once a month meeting. Not now we kind of even do once a quarter because there it's just, and I'm, I'm adding locations. I'm opening new things, but now they know what to do. And I don't really need to, you know, I I stop by and say hi and how's it going. And I, I run, I do an end of the month audit just so I can keep my pulse on things where I know what's going on. And then like right now I'm, I'm interviewing, we need to hire a couple new sleep physicians. I like to be involved with that just because I want a, a sleep visit, a person that's a doctor who's going to work for, who are they going to work for? I like them to know who I am and that I care clinically about the patient and I've been the patient. Yeah. Um, so just little things like that, but um, it's hard, but it's when you're forced to do it, <laughs> it's a little easier. Um, but if I could empower, advise anybody, like just try to, try to, try to do it, try to step away. Don't be afraid to hire that person. Um, that first person, don't be afraid to put someone on payroll. Um, it, pe- you, people will help you build what your vision is. And if you just share your vision and cast that and you empower them, and you reward them, they'll help you get there. Um, and I have 150 people now. Isn't that crazy? So what I was thinking when you were telling me about this, this dream team that you compiled, you know, the directors and that they're still there in my head, what I'm thinking is that, you know, that says a lot about you as a person and as a leader, um, because, you know, to have that, that success with those people that were hundred percent willing to jump in make those decisions, you know, work with you. I love the, what would Lori do? Uh, (laughs) that's, that's amazing. But like I said, it says a lot about you as a leader and, you know, I think empowering people is, is huge. Um, so what, what do you think that you would tell somebody else that is going through hardships and challenges like this as a mother, you know, and, and how to decide, you know, it's been so long since I had to go through that with my kids, but you know, back then I I would do things. And the second time I had cancer, I was like, I did this with three little kids. How did I do this? Well, I was a lot younger. And I think that, um, you know, we do, uh, our, you know, I think we're, our bodies are designed to have kids when we're young because we have the energy and the, you know, um, I mean, I remember how I would stay up all night, like, you know, get the laundry done and clean the house and, you know, do my billing. Cause I had to do patient billing if I was out working all day doing kids and, um, well, it's looking back, I'm like, Oh, maybe if I would have actually slept at night, I wouldn't have got cancer. So I always like to say, just make sure that you don't sacrifice your own body, you know, for your kids, you're going to be a better mom. If you eat healthy and you exercise and you sleep, um, sleep really now we're learning. It's the number one pillar 
of overall good health. It comes first. Um, so we do it two thirds of our life, right? So you just want to make sure that you're getting that seven to nine hours um, that we need. And if you can't get it at night, cause you have small children and they're waking you up at night, make sure that you have a nap when they nap or, you know, just get that rest in there and establish that routine, not only for you, but for your kids, um, just super, super important. Um, our bodies are designed to sleep. That, that's our number one job. It's what we do two thirds of our life is our brain has to sleep in order to recharge our body. It's like sleep is your cell phone charger, but for your body, right? Yeah. So you don't charge your phone all night. You wake up and you're like, oh, that's not going to get me till noon. Well, the same thing happens with your sleep. If it's interrupted or you have a sleep disorder, your brain can't get you through till noon. And then you're going to crave sugar, caffeinated beverages, carbohydrates, all the foods. And then it's this vicious cycle of, okay, I'm tired and fatigued. So now I want to eat and drink this. And then I gain weight. And then, and then I'm frustrated and I don't feel good about myself. And now I can't sleep because I have insomnia. So it's just this, it's sort of a vicious cycle. Yeah. Um, so that would be my, my biggest thing is if you're a young mom and you're dealing with health issues, um, don't be afraid to ask for help. That was one thing that was so many people came to our, our door with food. We used to joke like Kaylee was going to grow up and wonder who was going to bring food to the door at five o'clock because <laughs> for six months, someone rang my doorbell with a meal every night. Like, oh my goodness. Um, I, I, lo I lost the ability to like go to the grocery store, cook, like all these things that like you're supposed to do every day. Um, it's okay to allow people to help you, um, trade, trade, you know, on the days that you feel good, watch your friend's kids or your neighbor's kids and have them watch yours. Like your kids are going to grow up better kids if they know how to socialize and be, you know, around other kids anyway. And, um, you're not going to owe them anything. Right. Um, people want to help you. It, it, it's a gift and you just showing gratitude and thankfulness is all they really want and love. Um, I remember a nurse, uh, gave Glenn, he worked in the ICU at, um, which is now Banner Baywood. And they, he handed, she handed him a card and it had $300 in it and he brought it home and he was like, well, I have to give it back. And I'm like, no, no, we're not giving it back. We're going to accept the gift as cheerfully as it's given. I know we don't need the money, but we're going to do something really fun for the kids. And then we're going to take pictures and we'll mail her a thank you card. So we went out and bought like a really cool swing set, you know? Yeah. And we took pictures and wrote her a thank you note. And we had the kids write thank you notes and thank you so much for our swing set. You know, it was just one of those things like you didn't have a swing set, but like, okay, well, here's the money to, you know, let's yeah. go buy one. Um, so it's okay to accept those gifts uh, cheerfully because people really, really do want to help in whatever way they can. And, you know, we were, we felt blessed because we were hurting financially. We had great insurance. Um, you know, I, I working for the hospital, we just had co-pays where most people you get cancer and it could put you in the, you know, it, it really could put you into debt, into, you know, catastrophic debt. Um, yeah. And I, I'd also say, you know, there's a lot of programs out there, look for them and ask for help and accept it because it's temporary. You know, most cancers are curable nowadays um, and it's not a death sentence. So have hope and keep going. <laughs> Don't give up. 
So now that you are a two-time survivor, what does that look like? So I still have to go to the doctor every six months. Um, I still get sick pretty often. Um, I, like I was in the hospital into September with pneumonia, like didn't have COVID, five COVID tests later. I, I knew I didn't have COVID, but I get, I get sick a lot because my immune system is pretty low. So I have to be careful, but you know, I also am like, I'm living my life, you know, like, uh, you know, COVID is everywhere right now. It's all over. I was in California. My grandkids were here from Australia and, you know, everyone got kind of like a cold and we're all panicked because, you know, ended up not being COVID. But even if it was COVID, I would just deal with it, you know, um, right. but I was able to get that cold, get over it, um, went to Mexico. Everyone's like, don't go to Mexico. You can't go to Mexico. COVID's everywhere. I'm going to Mexico. You know, I, I'll deal with it. Like I'm living my life. I don't want to live in a bubble and all of, all of 22 or 2020, I should say, I mean, March 1st, the doctors are like, oh, this is going to be bad. You have to lock in. You can't go anywhere. And I did kind of do that for like nine months and I ended up getting it anyway, right before the vaccine came out. And I still, I still was fine. So I didn't die from COVID either. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that, you know? So, um, yeah, so I'm just kind of doing the things I want to do and, um, Another thing is just, you know, stay within your means. Um, when you start a business, it's real easy to be like, oh, I'm making all this money, you know? Oh, let's buy this, let's do that. Uh, remember that, you know, depending on what tax bracket you're in, most likely 40%, you know, 40 cents on your dollar is gonna be paid to the government. So um, make sure you plan for that. You know, I learned that the hard way, like, oh, that, oh you owe this much in taxes. Well, where is it? Oh, oh, you spent it. Yeah. Um, so that's a really good, just remember, you know, every 40 bucks on that hundred bucks, you need to put aside to pay, you know, your state and, and your government. So. Yeah, that's a good, that's definitely good food for thought. Mm -hmm. I like that you mentioned the different resources and business loans and stuff out there too. <clears throat> so that's, that's, there's a lot of women grants. I never did this. I, I never looked into this, um, because my husband and I own our business 50, 50, but you know, if you're a woman only business, like look up the grant. There's a lot of women business grants I've heard. I've never done that, but you know, that would be something that you don't have to pay it back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's so many opportunities out there. I love that. Um, we've come a long way and you mentioned the, um, <clears throat> you know, relying on other people and saying yes. So it's kind of what mom nation is about, right? It's, our own tribe. So it's like the age old saying of it takes a village. Well, it, it does. It takes a tribe now. Um, and so still over the years, that still holds true. So it made me think of sometimes I was, I'm a single mom. And it, so when you were talking about that, it made me think about me being stubborn, <laughs> but also, you know, where there were people that wanted to help or where me and another single mom switched off kids and would just help each other. And you're right. Like I, loved being able to do that for her. And I never wanted anything and vice versa. So I I'm glad that you pointed that out. I have another um, fun saying that I, I don't even know where I heard it, but it's expectations minus reality equals disappointment. So, you know, just, just make sure that you have that, you know, your expectations in check, like, is this realistic? Right. So if you are having your friend, um, if you're, if you're allowing your friend to take your kids, 
you know, don't expect anything in return because you may not get it, right? The reality of it is, is like, you know, or just communicate about it as well. Um, but that expectation is minus reality and it's, it's like in all things, right? Um, I'm expecting to get better, but the reality is if I don't take care of my body in the best way I can, I'm really not going to get better. Um, one of the, my very first oncologist said to me, Lori, I can give you all the drugs in the book, but if you don't think that you're going to get better, you're not going to get better. So mindset is vital. Mm -hmm. And just having that faith that I I am going to get better. It's, there's still that fear of every once in a while, like, oh, I mean, I remember I was like, am I even going to turn 30? Am I going to be 30? I turned 30. And then now I'm like, am I going to be 60? Well, I'm 56. I might make it, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So, so, um, these genes, I know you said that the cancers that you had were both rare. Are they genetic based or? I'm really happy you asked that. So this is a great story. I thought this is really weird. Now I have another cancer and my dad's sister, she had rheumatoid arthritis. I also struggled with rheumatoid arthritis since I was a child. So she had RA and she had just passed away of pancreatic cancer. So I tell the cancer center, I want to get uh, genetic testing because my aunt had RA and she died of pancreatic cancer. And my granddad at the time had lung cancer and they're like, oh, well, you don't qualify for insurance. Um, you don't have a strong enough connection. Like there wasn't any breast cancer. So I said, well, how much is it? I'll pay for the testing. So it was like $1,500 to get genetic testing. And it was the full panel it would test for everything. And so I did that. And sure enough, I came back with this really, really rare genetic mutation called ATM. I tell everyone it doesn't pass out money. It passes out <laughs> cancer. So Sure enough, on the, on the spectrum is breast cancer and pancreatic cancer. So my lymphoma had nothing to do with the breast cancer, but they think the lymphoma is related to the RA, the rheumatoid arthritis, but the breast cancer wasn't related. But now that now I could, I could get pancreatic cancer. So I have that cloud hanging over my head, but they watch me for that. And I'm in a study, um, an early detection study where they you know, do a scan once a year on my pancreas and they do blood work. And, um, and I'm letting them keep that, uh, because they're thinking that someday they might actually have a blood test to tell who's actually going to get pancreatic cancer. And then they might be able to develop a vaccine that prevents you from getting it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm super into, you know, medical research and how cool that, that is that they could actually because I mean, pancreatic cancer is like a death sentence, right? Like, you know, you don't know anybody that survives it for very long. Yeah. Um, so that's been rewarding, but I would tell you, um, if you were to get breast cancer, I tell anybody this, um, if you get diagnosed with breast cancer, get the full panel, don't get just the BRCA gene. You need to see a genetic counselor from a cancer center like MD Anderson or the university of Arizona. Um, you need a full panel uh, any kind of cancer really get genetic testing because they knowledge is power. Some people don't want to know. Um, but it, but it's, but it's important that, you know, because you can kind of do something about it. Some people wouldn't want to know. And I respect that. Um, like for example, my daughter, she's like, I don't want to know, but my daughter was in Australia. Now they don't have that kind of testing there. And she's like, my mom has breast cancer. That's the highest risk I have. That's good enough for me. I'll take good care of myself and get scans. 
my boys, however, they wanted to know, and they actually both have the gene. Um, but they, they also just counseled them and genetic counseling. Like if you ever get married or you co-create with someone, it's really important that they don't have this gene as well, which would be super rare, but at least they know, you know, um, so one of my sons isn't having kids or they're fostering and adopting. And, um, and then my other son is not married yet. So it's just, again, he knows, and that way they don't bring, because if I guess if those two genes meet genetically, then they could end up with this. The ATM stands for some big, long anatalaxia, blah, blah, blah. It's a neurological disorder that they end up with multiple cancers as a child. Oh, wow. Right? So nobody wants to be, you know, <laughs> we could prevent that would be good, right? Yeah. Um, well, and like you said, I mean, knowledge is power. So if you know, hey, I have this. And well, like it, it would help you with your decision, right? So if you knew you had a genetic cancer, you might not do breast conservation, right? So breast conservation would be not having a double mastectomy. And they're very into conserving the breast these days, which is great. But like, for me, I'm like one grew lymphoma, one has breast cancer, they're, they're coming off, I don't want to have any other opportunity for it to grow back. Um, and they, they kind of fought me on that. But then when I got that positive gene, they were like, Oh, good thing you did the double mastectomy or you'd be going back to surgery. Cause if you have a genetic mutation, they do recommend that you do double mastectomy. So that's why I think the genetic testing is super important. And a lot of doctors don't tell you to do it. Yeah. It just seems like overall for everything, whether it's having kids or just for your own personal mm-hmm. knowledge and get, get a lot of opinions. Like I, I, you know, you have to be your own advocate. Um, don't wait. Okay. When they did my, I found my own lump. They did the mammogram and the ultrasound and they're like, well, we see something we need to schedule for a biopsy in six weeks. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not waiting six weeks. So I went to another radiology center and just booked an appointment for the next day. Right. Um, I, I, I saw three different surgeons and three different oncologists, like all in like a seven day period. So that I could hear what everybody had had to say. So interesting how the same kind of cancer has the same protocol, but they gave different opinions because of my history and the fact that it already had chemo. Like one doctor didn't want to give me the chemo that I needed. And then the doctor that I went to said, look, we need to give you this chemo until you don't tolerate it anymore. And then we back off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's huge is being your own advocate in any health concern or any health related issue that comes up. Um, I think that by far in America, we, we don't do that enough. We just rely on somebody that has this training and education. And I, I get it to a certain extent, but they're not, you know, one person shouldn't be the gatekeeper for your own decisions in your life. So I love that. And and one thing to know is that your oncologist is going to be your doctor for the rest of your life. So if you get cancer, you have to love that person because they are your person for the rest of your life and they are going to manage your care for the rest of your life. So, um, and you know, my first cancer, once I went, once I went five years, I was considered cured. So I, he retired, but now with breast cancer, you know, it's not really, you're not really ever considered cured. You're just like no evidence of disease or you're in remission. Um, you're, it's kind of like a chronic illness, which is a bummer, but I'm, I'm seven years cancer free. So 
I'm considered cured. <laughs> I consider myself cured. I'm in a cure right now. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay. With each of these, um, what kind of research did you do? Did you go on the back end and research all of the things that you could or? You know, for the lymphoma, you know, we barely had computers in 1992. Um, and I think someone had told me, do not go on the internet, you know, cause it was like, everybody was dying of it. Um, so I didn't really do much. I just trusted him and did what he told me to. And um, cause it was also one of these things where this is either going to work or it's not. Um, and it worked. I, I, I was very blessed and lucky and it worked. And then with the breast cancer, um, I think just listening to the different opinions, um, I, again, I like to steer people away from just going on the internet and Googling things. Cause it gets really, really overwhelming and scary. And there's always the bad stuff that comes up. Like even my double mastectomy, I didn't Google anything. Cause I was just like, well, I'm going to get what I'm going to get, you know? And I, okay, here's another thing. Did you even know that they could do immediate reconstruction? So I ended up being a candidate for, um, nipple skin sparing. So Typically with the double mastectomy, they chop it, they take it all off. I should say, should say chop, but they remove all your breast tissue, your um, skin and your areolas. Well, if your cancer tumor is small enough, and this is why early detection is key. And most of you will find your own breast cancer yourself by doing self-examination, feel it on the first. That's my, I like to tell people do your exam every first of the month. Um, make sure you lift your arms. Cause that's how I felt mine arm down. I didn't feel it arm up. I felt it. And this, none of the surgeon radiologist, nobody could feel it. Only I could feel it. Um, so if your tumor is small enough and it's far enough away from your areolas, your nipples, you can keep them. So they didn't know. I went to sleep, not knowing if I'd wake up with the rib cage and the sternum and that was it or I would have fully reconstructed breasts. And I, one of the plastic surgeons that I saw was like, no, you can't do that. The other one was like, yep, you can. Um, so I woke up, I was an eight and a half hour surgery, getting the, all the tissue and they rebuilt my breasts. So it was like, I had a double mastectomy, but then I, so I didn't go through that hole. I lost my breasts. I mean, I don't have feeling, I can't feel anything. Everything's numb. Um, but uh, it was like a miracle to wake up to that. It was almost like Connor's day of birth all over again. I was so happy. My family was so happy. Um, so that's, I mean, that's another great point you brought up that one doctor said, no, one doctor said, yeah. So we're seeing this reoccurring pattern mm -hmm. and it's not, and I think it's important to mention that it doesn't mean that X doctor doesn't believe or does it just could be that they lack the knowledge or they haven't tried it before. I mean, we have to understand mm -hmm. that too, within healthcare, within medicine, there's different levels of expertise. There's different levels of, you know, some doctors are willing to push, push the limit mm -hmm. and learn and, and try new things. And some just want to play it safe. So I think that that reoccurring message of get different consultations try and see, you know, get as many opinions as you can for mm -hmm. anything is really important. Yeah. It really worked for me and don't, yeah, don't be afraid. And they're practicing medicine. They're humans. They're not perfect. They, so they're all going to have a different way of training. They come from different places, different backgrounds. Um, so yeah, it's good to, and we're so lucky living in Phoenix, right. That we have 
really, really solid medical systems here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of healthcare hubs across the U.S. even, so even if you have to travel. Mm -hmm. But great. So, okay. So then now moving forward to where you are today in your business, what does that look now that you are seven years remission recovery? What does your business look like today? So I now have seven locations and 150 employees. Um, I want to grow and I kind of feel invincible again. (laughs) Um, So we've just been, you know, uh, riding the wave, I guess. Um, You know, we recently with the supply and demand and um, some of our medical equipment is made with the microchip. And so we're challenged, we have challenges, but we're just trying to figure out ways to overcome them and, you know, do the best that we can do. And um, just trying to keep our team solid and happy and employed. Uh, you know, we had to go through and do like a company-wide raise across the board so that people didn't leave because I, you know, there was a, people weren't wanting to work <laughs> for, there right. for a little bit. And I feel that I did, I didn't close down over the uh, pandemic. I didn't have to lay anyone off. Um, I just kept trudging through and, uh, took advantage of, you know, the government assistance that was offered. That's another thing is like, you know, pay attention to stuff like that. There's so many, um, of you out there that might feel like, Oh, I'm too small. They won't help me. Oh yeah, they will. Yeah. You know, don't be, don't be afraid to, um, take advantage of opportunities when they come along. Cause there's nothing better than money. You don't have to pay back. <laughs> right? not, yeah, and you're going to, you might need it. You might think you won't need it, but when you need it, it's too late. You didn't get to apply for it. So. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, so what would someone, let's say one of our moms needs a sleep study or what are some of the things besides a sleep study that they would come to you for? So one of the things that's important is we're not just sleep studies. We're like a full comprehensive sleep program where we will, um, see you in clinic and consultation. And no matter what your sleep issue is, um, we will help diagnose it and treat it. So all sleep disorders. So um, if you have sleep apnea, if you have insomnia, we see pediatrics, if you have children, um, you know, believe it or not, sleep apnea is really common in children. Um, so if your child snores, that's not normal. Uh, definitely make sure that you bring them in to see one of our board certified pediatric sleep physicians so that we can do a sleep study and see how severe that obstructive apnea is. And the younger they are, the easier it is to treat. And um, it's better to, you know, get those tonsils out, adenoids out, things like that. Um, And then it will help them through their teenage. If you get into the teenage years, sometimes now the childhood obesity is kicked in. Um, And again, it's not too late. Like, you know, we can still help with that stuff. Um, We also have a whole um, program where we help people lose weight. It's called sleep to slender. Cause if you have sleep disorders, most likely you are having a weight problem. So we like to help people get that, you know, sleep disorder treated, and then we can help you, um, shed those pounds so that you're healthy and that your sleep will be healthy. Um, yeah. So we also have, um, mid-level providers, nurse practitioners who specialize in sleep, um, and Tucson, Goodyear, Glendale, Scottsdale, Phoenix, Chandler, Mesa. Did I get them all? <laughs> yeah. So seven, seven, six Valley locations and then Tucson. 
Okay. Awesome. Um, you could do, Oh, here's another thing. You could do this at home. Okay. You can have a televisit kind of like we're talking right now. Uh, you can get a home sleep test mailed to your house. It's disposable. You use your smartphone and then you can have a follow-up like this just to find out you never have to leave your house. Oh, that's, that's good. Because as a single mom, I would be like, how am I going to go do the sleep study? Because I've got yeah. kids at home. That's excellent. Yep. And, um, um, it's all covered by insurance. And then we also have cash pay packaging as well. Okay. So I was going to ask you about insurance and then I have another question. Um, so you guys do accept insurance. That's great. But my question on that is, do you have to have your primary care provider submit a referral? No. Okay. No, some, some of the access plans, um, you know, the Arizona healthcare cost containment plans, they'll, they might require a referral, but we'll get it. We'll help you get it. Okay. My other question is, so I'm a disabled veteran. Sleep apnea is huge in the veteran community. Do you guys do sleep studies for the VA? Yep, we do. Great. We sure do. Love that. Okay. Well, um, is there anything else that we did not cover today in your story that you feel compelled to share that you think is important for our viewers? I just love what you guys are doing. Mom nation. I wish I had this when I was a young mom. Um, it's so cool to have a community of, of women that can all collaborate and be friends and, and just reach out virtually. Like I could never do this when I was, you know, 20, 30 years old. It's great. Um, I love it. Keep doing what you're doing and I'll keep supporting however I can. So thank you. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming and joining us and sharing your story. Um, you know, it's definitely why Katie and I do this. Katie spends countless nights sleepless nights, which we're going to have to talk to you about. Um, get your sleep girls, get your sleep. It's not worth it. Yeah, no, definitely. So I will definitely probably hit you up after this as well. Um, just to kind of okay. see what we can do. But, um, before we close, I definitely want to make sure everybody knows that you can find us on any of your viewing platforms, um, Spotify, Apple music, any of those things that you love to use, make sure you go ahead and give us a follow for from the heart mom nation. So you can see all of our occurring episodes. Um, and please share, give us feedback on how you feel about the show. Hopefully if you don't love it the first time, wait, you'll find us the next episode. And I'm sure you'll love that. And then give us a five-star review. It helps us just get out to other moms and other women that would be inspired and really touched by stories like Lori's. So thank you so much, you guys. And thank you so much, Lori, for sharing your story with us again today. We loved it. Oh, thank you. Have a beautiful evening, everyone. Also, will you share once this is posted, will you share your information and how they could reach you? Sure. Valley Sleep Center is what it's listed as online, right? Yeah, valleysleepcenter.com. Yep. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Moms with aspiration. Moms are inspirations. Moms in circulation. Moms at their workstations. Moms, 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 moms,